In uh, preparations for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. Again, Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. Please open your Bible to that portion of Scripture and join me in reading God's Word. Let us all rise in reverence to the Word of God. Verse 15, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not, it does not say, and to offspring referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promises or promise void. And verse 18, For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Good morning. It is a pleasant day because it is the Lord's day. We gather every Sunday since more than 2,000 years ago when the Lord resurrected. So whenever you come here or think of Sunday as we gather together, it is not a ritual that we go through but we come together as one community celebrating the goodness of God and the power of His resurrection. It is not only during what they call Holy Week that we celebrate that. We celebrate that every Sunday. We also celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ every Sunday. Today's message is from Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. And um, I gave it a title, Unchangeable. Unchangeable. Paul mentioned to the Galatians that the law justifies no one in the sight of God. But conversely, he explained that justification is through faith in Christ and not through the works of the law. Furthermore, Paul cited Abraham, whom God credited righteousness because Abraham believed. Does the law of Moses change the Abrahamic covenant? Certainly not. Paul explained God's promise to Abraham in relation to Christ. God's promise to Abraham is about Christ. Let's go back to the situation. Paul, in his missionary journey, went to parts of southern Galatia, 
And some scholars believe that he is writing to those whom he visited and, and started church communities, which met in houses. Then, a group of what is commonly called as Judaizers, who did not necessarily contradict the resurrection of Jesus. And they're also saying, uh, yes, it is faith, but you must be saved by being obedient to the works of the law. And you have to enter through circumcision for the men. That is the entry point to become God's people. But it's not just that small act. It is about following the whole law of Moses to be saved. But Paul corrected that. No. No. We are justified through faith in him. These Judaizers, which Paul calls false brothers, he doesn't believe they were true believers of Christ because they added something. And he did say to anyone who gives you another gospel, which may not sound like another, but distorts it a little bit, let him be accursed. Giving us that warning till this day to respect the gospel of God. Remember, it is his gospel, not ours. We have no right to change it, but we have the privilege to preach it as it is. The gospel of Christ. He says that we are justified by faith like Abraham was. However, these Judaizers were adding something, and that's why he said, let them be accursed. And Paul even narrated a story when Peter's action, the apostle Peter, when Peter's action contradicted the gospel, that it affected the others, that Paul had to rebuke Peter. And Paul stated his claim, Among my peers, I, am ahead of, I was ahead of them. He was a Pharisee, a doctor of the law. Somebody who knows the Old Testament law so well, yet in a way he's saying implicitly, Hey, have you forgotten who I am and what I know? Yet I preach to you in simplicity, Christ crucified. And we are justified by faith alone. Now, he was not saying we should not obey God. What he was saying, obeying the law, and we're not talking about our civil law. We're talking about the Old Testament Mosaic law. He was not saying that you should not obey. No, he's just saying it's not your obedience that saves. And he would clarify that not only in Galatians, but you would see it in his other writings. The one who truly has faith 
definitely will obey, but the obedience itself does not save. It is faith in Him. Obedience is a result because you truly have faith. It's you because you believe that the Spirit changes your life so that you want to obey. It's not like I have to force myself because if one truly believes in Him, it means you believe Him more than you believe yourself. You trust in His Word more than your own opinions. That is, in surrender to who He is, knowing who He is, Christ, the resurrected Lord and Savior. Now, He moves to another argument because these Judaizers were talking about Abraham, that Abraham was circumcised, yet he was arguing, well, yes, he was, but when did that happen? It was after he believed and righteousness was credited to him. Now, some translation uses imputed, given to him. Somehow, I like credited because Christ has not yet died, but he believed in the promise of Christ. He believed in the promise of the future coming of, of the gospel or Christ. So it was given to him on credit. It, it's like a credit card. You spend it even though you haven't earned it, right? It was allowed to him to receive because he believed. Then Paul gives the argument that the Mosaic law does not change the Abrahamic covenant, or the Mosaic covenant does not alter, is not even in contradiction with the Abrahamic covenant, but there was a purpose for the Mosaic law, and we will discuss that in the succeeding sermons. However, he made the emphasis that the covenant in Christ is actually the fulfillment of the promise of God to Abraham. My first point, the nature of a covenant. And let us read verse 15. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. And he's saying even between men. Now today it's like a contract. Once we signed and we agreed, we cannot change the deal. Unless both of us agree to change the deal. That's humanly speaking. But once we've made a commitment, we have signed something we have signed our name there. We must fulfill the agreement. And if you try to change it or not follow it, then the other party can bring you to court to complain. Even among man-made agreements, no one can change them once ratified. More so with God's covenant. What is a covenant? With God, it is a divine agreement. 
God made a covenant with Abraham, and no one can change that, not even the law of Moses. God initiated the covenant with Abraham. Take note, it was God who initiated it, not Abraham. He did not say, God, I want to make a covenant with you. No, it was God who said, I want to make an agreement with you. It was part of his plan. Abraham, then Isaac and Jacob, then Jacob's tribe that will become many tribes, which will become a nation known as Israel. And that nation will receive the Mosaic law, which included the ceremonies, as a shadow of things to come. God giving clues of what will happen many years hence. And from that nation, prophets will arise, prophesying what God has promised in the law, the coming of the Messiah. A nation must be nurtured so that one day, in the fullness of time, a Messiah would be born. There was a purpose. So God initiated, not Abraham, not man. And many today make it man-centered. Some have made the Bible man-centered. The Bible, you go there if you need something. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's so incomplete. And because that's so incomplete, it becomes wrong. Am I contradicting myself in a manner of speaking? Yes and no. Because a covenant is about God first, not us. It's first about His plan. You think Abraham was such a good man? And we have fooled ourselves that it is about being good men. In a manner of speaking, if you have faith in Christ, we expect ourselves to grow up to be, by God's grace, better men and women. Abraham, an imperfect human being. Just read his story. Isaac, his son, an imperfect human being. And Jacob as well, especially Jacob, that guy. Somebody I wouldn't want to be my friend. Because he likes to deceive you and manipulate you a bit to control your actions. Whispers a little bit to you to move you to a certain direction. Instead of just saying, hey, this is what I want, okay? This is what we do. And he did that to his own father. Imperfect human beings, yet God initiated the covenant. Now, Paul made a statement that, hey, among men, we don't change the agreement between God and Abraham. It does not change. The law of Moses does not change that. And this is so favorable to the Gentile listeners. The Gentile readers of this letter, 
Because they were told to become part of God's people, you have to become a Jew through circumcision. And Paul argued, hey, no, no, no. Those who have faith in Christ are the real children of Abraham because the promise was spiritual in nature as much as it was physical. There was a physical nature to the promise, meaning the real descendants, yet the true fulfillment is the inclusiveness of all the nations, not just Israel. Therefore, it is not about going through an initiation to become a Jew, but it is about faith in him. That's why he says, not through the law, but through faith in him. So my fellow believers, please do not live by the law. You treat the Old Testament as if you were a Jew. You know, how they interpret the scripture, we have to be careful how you study poetry. There is a purpose for poetry. It is not law, nor is it an epistle, but it is poetry. There's the wisdom books. It's still not law, nor is it an epistle, but we gain wisdom from it. And there are the epistles written to directly give us instructions. And there's the narrative, the storylines. You cannot create your own doctrines based on stories that are not supported by the epistles. That's why when we study scripture, as Paul said, all scripture is inspired by God. You don't, you're not supposed to select a few and isolate the rest. You see, how does this fit into the big picture of all of scripture. So one sees in the narrative, do not eat blood from animals. And they saw it. And they say, I should not eat blood from animals. That makes the Filipinos so sinful, correct? Since I was a child, one thing that we eat in different provinces, I have visited, there's always a dinuguan. What's the English name for that? Blood stew, I like that. Blood stew. For those watching who are not Filipinos, you should try it. But some believers said, I should not because it's there. Take note, it's in the narratives. And when it's a narrative, you have to be careful because it's a story of how they learned, how they grew in learning. But then you see in the epistle, Anything can be eaten. Praise God. Oh, you don't agree. All right. <laughs> then don't eat. You know what Romans 14 calls you? Somebody who is weak in the faith. 
That's the weak in faith. And some of you think you're strong because you have this conviction. No, no, no. You're weak in faith. When do you become stronger in faith? When you see what is revealed in Scripture and believe in it, don't add to it, don't remove from it. And see its purpose and see how it applies carefully now. Carefully. Next point, through one. Let's read verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. No S. Take note, grammar Nazis, please help me police everybody else. You think there's a small difference if there's an S and no S in the English language? It's a big, 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 big thing. Sorry. Because now it affects doctrine. Huh? Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, he's quoting Genesis, and to offsprings. The promise was not made to the many children he would have, but to one. And to your offspring. And Paul explained, a doctor of their law, saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, that offspring is Christ. The promise of Abraham is, was not his immediate children. They were needed. God planned it that they should be there so a nation would, be, would grow. But there was one because God, the Word, will become flesh to fulfill prophecy. And the promise was to the offspring who is Christ. Therefore, I repeat what you have always heard. Christ is the only way. There is no other way. Paul explained that the law could not make anyone righteous. Uh, no other person can make anyone righteous. So let no one fall into deception... There is only one way, faith in Jesus Christ. My third point, the promise remains. Let's read verses 17 and 18. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years Afterward, after who? After what? After Abraham. Does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. You cannot say once it was about faith, now it's about the law. No, it's still about faith. And the law's purpose, the purpose of the law was not to save but to reveal that we are sinners. And yet, 
still to give some semblance of, of civility and structure to the nation. Because every nation needs a law, and every nation needs some form of culture, but that does not save. So the law had its purpose. It was a tutor so that the nation would not kill each other, but learn the boundaries of how to treat one another properly. Yet the ceremonies were there as well, prophetically speaking of the coming of the Messiah. Paul expounded that the law did not exist when God credited Abraham with righteousness through faith. The law came 430 years later. And the law of Moses cannot annul God's promised covenant with Abraham. And it was about faith in Christ. Paul mentioned that the gospel Abraham believed and that he would be a blessing to many nations. If you read earlier, in the earlier text, within the same epistle, that Abraham did believe in the gospel. And if you remember Hebrews 11, that's why he was searching for a city made by God, not made with man's hands. He was looking for an eternal city. Deep inside, he knew that the place, the promised land Canaan, although his descendants would live there, he knew deep inside this is not the ultimate place. Now, again, no one earns the promise. God promised. Now you or, 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 or the Gentiles or, or the others cannot earn by fulfilling the law. You cannot earn a promise. A promise is a promise. If I give you my word, it's because I gave you my word, for example. And take note. This is beautiful. God's promise to Abraham had no conditions. He just had to believe. And God said, I will make it happen. The same way under Christ, we cannot earn a promise. He will fulfill what he promised. The promise to Abraham cannot come through the law since no one can obey all the provisions of the law. And Paul already stated that in the earlier verses. The promise cannot come through the law because nobody passes the law. At least one law we are guilty. And we're not talking about the Ten Commandments. No, 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 no. You read Exodus and Leviticus. <laughs> Try to fulfill that. The promise came through Christ alone. That's why our good works cannot earn us justification, cannot earn us righteousness, cannot. 
cannot be earned. So what do we do? God initiated this. We respond by believing like Abraham. Yep, Abraham believed what was too good to be true. Only God could do it. Thus, we also believe what only God can do. And no man can do it. Only Christ died for us. No other human being. No other. Those we call saints did not die for us. No. There's only one. You think it's because of you? Why you believe? You think because you're such a good boy and God picked you and chose you? Huh? No. Praise God, it's not because of that. Because if it's that, I wouldn't be here. We are wretched sinners, guilty. That's why one of the dangerous things as a believer that we have to fight or we have to reject in our heads and our hearts is called spiritual pride. I am more spiritual than you because I saw you disobey God. When you see a brother disobey the New Testament or the Bible, we correct one another not in the spirit of spiritual pride, but in a spirit as a fellow brother or sister, knowing that we ourselves need correction. Knowing that we ourselves do not know everything. Knowing that we ourselves may be guilty of other things. So we say, brother, I still need to correct you, but if I'm also wrong with the same sin, please do the same for me. But the response to a correction can be in different ways. You try to correct some put up a shield. You cannot correct me. I love this so much. You cannot take this away. Nobody is. We're just echoing to you what the word says. As we would appreciate, you echo it to us as well if you know the word. You see how the good news is? Hey, good news, bro. Not because of you. Because if it's because of you or me, we're in big trouble. How many lies have we spoken? Can you count the ways? <laughs> how many since we were kids we started lying? And until today, we catch ourselves lying sometimes to exaggerate a little bit. Sometimes false humility to deceive. Sometimes in other ways. Sometimes out of concern for others. How are you? I'm okay. And we give a fake smile. But the truth is, I'm not okay. Hey. In the state of our souls, we are not okay ever without Christ. 
And even in Christ, we should not forget that we are sinners saved by grace alone. Yet we praise God. He has given us a new heart. A heart to desire His Word and a heart to obey. Although we know that the obedience does not save. It is an after thing because of a changed heart. Application. Now I speak in a paradox again. Don't alter the gospel. Not that you can, but your words can. And that will make you a false teacher or a false prophet or a false brother or sister. Don't change it. Even a little bit. Don't say if you repeat this prayer after me, you shall be saved. Don't, don't, don't. You don't see the apostles preach that. You don't see Jesus say that, follow after me. And after that, God bless you. You're saved. God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for you. <laughs> you don't see that. But what do they say? Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What else did they say? Repent and believe in the gospel. That is what we echo. Because it's not our gospel. It is his gospel. And we proclaim it as it is revealed to us in scripture. The Mosaic law did not alter the Abrahamic covenant. God's covenant in Christ fulfills God's promise to Abraham. Similarly, nothing may change it. God's covenant in Christ. Therefore, in the way we speak of it or the way we believe it, keep it pure and unadulterated. We believe the gospel of Christ as confirmed by the apostles revealed in the Holy Scriptures. Therefore, Again and again, I say, don't add anything or remove anything from it. Some preach a faith without repentance. How can that be? When the very meaning of repentance is a change of perspective, a change of mind, not only about sin, but everything. How can you have faith without changing your mind about sin and everything else? You cannot. Faith is not believing He exists. Faith is anchoring your very life, spirit, soul, and body to his word to tie it there forever. And that is only by the grace of God. Let's not try to be innovative with the gospel. You may have innovation in terms of giving illustrations or what, but the gospel is the gospel. You don't change it. You may have innovations on how people can listen to you, sure, but the gospel is the gospel. That we do not change. Next, faith in Christ alone. God's promises to Abraham find fulfillment through Abraham's descendant, Christ Jesus. The blessing to the nations is through faith in Christ alone, not in any other person nor any other way. Therefore, let's have faith in him alone. The Lord himself said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
Moreover, the apostles declared no other name by which men may be saved, Christ Jesus. Therefore, our faith should be anchored on him alone. Last point, preach the promise. What promise? The promise to Abraham and the promise through Christ. Let us preach the promise of God through Abraham, which means preaching the gospel of Christ. We must preach the gospel in our cities, provinces, and country to every tribe, tongue, and nation. We should defend the gospel of Christ as the apostles defended the gospel from false teachers. And let us correct each other if we have to. And let us protect the flock from those who would add or subtract from the gospel. If you hear a preacher emphasizing more, just accept Jesus and follow this sinner's prayer and you are saved. I tell you, you may encourage him. You may study more, please. Because is that in scripture? Please guide me. Because if you, please do not be lazy. I encourage you from Matthew to Revelations. Line by line, by line, by line, by line. This wasn't practiced. He did not say, go into all the world and tell them to accept me and follow the sinner's prayer. But is there such a thing as a sinner's prayer? I believe so. When you call with all your heart, whether you repent in your... Uh, Within you, you turn away from sin. You change from your mind and you believe and you pray, Lord, save me. That is in effect a sinner's prayer, but not the mechanical type. Follow me and if you're sincere, God will bless you. Focused on the blessing, the only blessing we focus on first and foremost, not material blessing. Spiritual, it is the gospel. I give you this poem called Unchangeable. God's covenant no one alters. His promises shall not falter. Unaltered by the mosaic, nothing or no one can change it. The promise to Abraham stands. Descendants like the stars and sands. A father of many nations, unconfined to blood relations. All who believe in the gospel are also Abraham's people. Through Christ who is greater than him and greater than the law of sin. All nations shall truly be blessed, Jews and Gentiles. Who would have guessed God's promises through one offspring and now fulfilled and fulfilling. Let us all rise and let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. You are good and you are gracious. We thank you for your word. We praise you for allowing us to understand and to know that you what you ratified, that you do not change your word, you gave your word to Abraham and you fulfill it in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Make the gospel more clear to us as we grow in you. May we see the different facets of it. 
yet still one gospel, one Christ, one baptism, one resurrection, one God over all and in all, all who believe, saved only by grace, justified through faith alone, based on the Holy Scriptures alone, so that we may glorify you alone. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you. <laughs>